0: Welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at, at gmail.com. and of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. Or you can go to our webpage at letstalktorah.net, no apostrophes, letstalktorah.net. You can look in the archives, you can check out the new shows, you can leave comments, you can leave questions, and of course, the all-important donate button to help us um, improve the show, take care of our expenses, um, and just continue to do the amazing job that we continue to do um, in this amazing studio. So if you could hit that donate button and uh, look at the different levels over there, that would just be simply amazing. You know, I know a lot of smart people. But let me tell you a story about a smart person. There's a barbershop, if you even know what a barbershop is. And new customers, old customers. And there was a boy that walked into the barbershop every day. And the barber told one of his new customers, he says, I got the dumbest kid ever. Comes to my shop every day. Watch this. Sure enough, a few minutes later, the boy walks into the shop. And the barber holds out two hands, calls the kid over and says, hey, kid. You want the dollar or you want two quarters? And the kid looks and looks. He says, I'll take the two quarters. And the kid pockets the two quarters, walks out, and the barber says, see, dumbest kid ever. A little while later, the customer sees the boy coming out of an ice cream shop. And he says, like, I don't understand. Like, you don't understand that a dollar is worth more than two quarters? The boy says, I've been doing this for a month. As soon as I take the dollar, the game's over. Sometimes, as smart as you may be, but sometimes, right, Um, you got to use your brains a little bit and not always be so smart. And that's really what happens in this week's story portion Moses, we're in the book of Exodus, we've begun the book of Exodus, Moses is born, we're going to talk about it, and Moses is raised in the Pharaoh's palace, which in itself is a fascinating concept, and idea of what's going on, we're going to see if we can get there, this show, next show, we'll figure it out. And he's sitting on the Pharaoh's lap, and he takes the Pharaoh's crown, and he throws it onto the floor. However old he is, three years old, who cares? And, of course, if you're living in those days with all kinds of advisors and, and everything is a sign and who knows what, and the, the advisors, oh, oh, no, he took off your crown. That's a sign that he will remove you as king and you'll lose your kingdom. So like every good king, they said, you tell me he's a threat, kill him. So an angel comes down. And angel says, Pharaoh, come on. He's a kid. He just likes pretty things. So they bring out two plates, burning red hot coals and rubies. And at first Moses is going to take the rubies as the angel moves his hands over. He takes the coal and like all little babies, he picks it up, puts it in his mouth. And now for the rest of his life, he can't talk or at least through the giving of the Torah, he can't talk, right? You don't have lips that work well. You don't have a tongue that works well. And uh, there's actually 10 letters in the Hebrew alphabet that Moses cannot pronounce. So sometimes you can't be so smart. Sometimes you can't be so smart. And I think um, that's going to be a great lesson as we move through these amazing Torah portions. So it's saw an interesting question. It's saw an interesting question. This Torah portion, and really the whole book of Exodus, is the creation of the Jewish nation. We start out, we're in this area called Goshen, and the Jewish people start moving out, and and the Egyptians don't like that we're all over the place. And they get nervous, and they basically force Pharaoh into doing something. And that's one direction you can take it. Another direction, it says the Pharaoh saw that their leader, the one that would take them out of Egypt, was going to be born. And he wants to destroy them. Some say he wants to destroy the whole Jewish people. And he comes up with plans. First plan, make them slaves. That'll, that will that uh, will greatly decrease the um, the population explosion of the Jewish nation. Of course, that failed miserably, and then he has the midwives. And he wants them to to kill the Jewish babies. Got a lot of this stuff. We're gonna get into. I just want to get into the point, and eventually he starts killing the babies. So, you know, before you even get into all the nitty gritty details of this Torah portion, you gotta wonder. I mean, there's millions of Jews already. Why aren't they rebelling? You want to tell me slave mentality? That's fine. But when they became slaves at the beginning, when, when the whole tragedy is starting and they're tricked into becoming slaves, and we'll talk about all this, just say no. Just rebel. Okay, so some soldiers come out with whips. There's thousands of you against their, their soldiers. Rebel, rebel, escape, get out of here. What is the mindset? How could it be that the, as people like to say, being led to slaughter like sheep, right? People talked about it in the the Holocaust, but why not rebel? Like, it's not like there's, you know, a couple thousand Jews and millions of Egyptians, I mean, there may be millions of Egyptians, but but we got a large nation over here, ready. Right? So, what exactly gives? This question, by the way, could have been asked um, two and three weeks ago in the Torah portion of Miketz of Aigash, where the brothers are having it out with Joseph. Just kill him. These brothers are monsters. They are mighty warriors. They, um, they, even the Medrash says that in Vaigash, Judah was so you know, upset at the whole situation, he was ready between him and his brothers to just wipe out the country. Why not fight? Why not fight? So the answer is, and if you look at the verses, it, it, it plays out. Very clearly. The brothers understand that God runs the world. And if God wants to punish them, they're going to get punished. So you're going to fight God? You're going to show I'm stronger than these guys? They can't, uh, they can't beat me up? So, uh, so I'll win and, and what? You know, as the brothers understood, God was punishing them. So they're going to play out the story, yes. It could be at the end if they decided the only way to survive is to fight, they'll fight. But until they get to that point, this is what God wants, we're going to go along with it. We can't fight God. We're not going to be smarter than God, right? It's not going to work. So the Jewish people understood. Abraham had been told, Your children will be in a land that's not theirs, they'll be slaves for 400 years. So we knew this was happening, we were prepared. For this to happen. So, what's the fighting going to help? We're going to go to war with the Egyptians, but, but then we don't become the Jewish nation. We don't get the land of Israel. There's, there, there's, there's uh, rules, there are, there are things in place that have to be done so that we can become the Jewish nation, so that we can go to the land of Israel, so that we can get the Torah. You're not going to follow the rules and regulations, you'll lose. So sometimes when we think at first glance, we say, ooh, we should be fighting. We should, we should not allow people to do this to us. Sometimes that's what God wants. Many times. All the time. If that's what God wants, so w- what are you fighting? You're fighting God. Right? It doesn't mean you can't, we can't protect ourselves. It doesn't mean if there's terrorists out there and, uh, and people that are plotting our destruction that we can't protect ourselves. Of course we have to go protect ourselves. But each situation you know, has its rules and regulations. And in Egypt, we knew that we were supposed to be slaves. If we're supposed to be slaves, then be slaves. That's what God wants. Well, was just, it was easy because God told us what we were supposed to be doing. Okay, very simple. So what could we do? Uh, okay, so we're in Egypt. We can't fight. We can't fight, we're supposed to be slaves, God said we're supposed to be slaves, even though the labor seems to be over the top, and the suffering is over the top, and, and that shouldn't have been what God planned, at least that's what we thought. What could we do? So I saw interesting, what can, what can you do? Achhtis. You could be together, you could work together, you could be all all right, all for one, one for all, right? Right. We could be together. It's I, so very interesting. What does Pharaoh say at the end of this week's Torah portion? Moses comes and he says, Pharaoh, God said that you got to let the Jewish people go. I tell my class. Like, what was Moses thinking? You, you think Pharaoh's letting go of millions of slaves? That's ridiculous because God said, like, why should Pharaoh? He didn't do anything. He didn't punish me. He didn't, he didn't uh, do anything that should convince me that I should go ahead and uh, and allow you to leave. Like, why? Why? So it's almost like, you know, it's like a setup. Pharaoh had a very good out. Pharaoh had a right to say, hey, God, you said to Abraham, that his children will be slaves in a land that's not theirs. I, I, I'm doing your, your work, God. I am working for you. I am enslaving the Jewish people. And you can't have any complaints. I don't deserve a punishment. I actually deserve a reward. You should be rewarding me for doing your job, God. That's what Pharaoh could say. So it, it, is, is it true or not true? Very simple test. If you Pharaoh say that your goal is to work for God and enslave the Jewish people because God said so, very good. As soon as God says, let them go, and you claim you're working for God, no problem. You guys are all free to go. And God, I want my reward for doing your work. But once the pharaoh is going to say at the end of the Torah portion, that I'm making the work even harder. I am not letting you people go. Okay, that's retroactively. We now see that Pharaoh has no claim that he was working for God. He was in it all for himself. Very simple, straightforward. Okay. But I want to take this in a different direction. So Moses comes to Pharaoh, tells Pharaoh, you got to let the Jewish people go. You got to let them go. God says you got to let them go. What's Pharaoh's response? Pharaoh's response is, no straw. Meaning, till now, the wagons showed up every day, loaded to the top with straw, and these slaves have to make their quota of bricks, which was, of course, a ridiculous quota, and they have to make their bricks, and they have to bring their bricks to the buildings, they have to build the buildings, fine. Pharaoh says, no straw. That means you're going to have to wander across Egypt looking looking for straw. Pharaoh was hoping to cause discord. He wanted the people to be angry, to fight, to, to not be together. The only thing we had going for us was we had the ability to take care of each other. We were Um I'll give you an example momentarily. All we had that was keeping us going was that we were one. We were together. Maybe that explains, by the way, if the, 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 the one of the purposes of the slavery was to create in us the, the togetherness, that we are the only ones that can take care of us. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to stand up for ourselves. We're the only ones. You got to have to get straw. This one's going to fight. That one's going to fight. You stole my straw. You took my straw. How come you're not helping me? Why didn't you tell me there was straw over there? And, and the truth is, uh, Moses' nemesis, uh, Dus and Aviram, um, actually do go after Moses and say, look what you've done to us. You've, uh, you have you, you put in a situation where, where, where it's untenable. So that was the Pharaoh's plan. And it of course doesn't work, right? And I'm going to show you where else, throughout the slavery, you see this concept. And I think it's a beautiful lesson. Um, when when the Pharaoh was setting up all the slaves, and he he said, "Everyone, come and serve your country, and and work for your country." And so everybody came for the national holiday to build Egypt. So there were people writing down uh, how many bricks every Jew made. Now, when the Jews were on their way out to the fields to make the bricks, they passed by the study hall and the tribe of Levi, the Levites, were busy studying. And they said, hey, guys, serve your, serve your country day. Right? you you, you got you to gotta help us make bricks, right? Otherwise the Egyptians are going to hate us. And the Levites said, we study, you can go work. We're not going. So, because the Levites didn't go, so you know, after two or three days of watching everybody work, the number by the Levites was zero. So the Levites never became slaves. But they also now have no food, because the only food is given to those who work. You work, you get food. You don't work, why are we giving you food? Right? We'll feed our slaves. We're not feeding you. So there was a daily collection taken, where. Everybody would give from his meager portion a little bit to put in a big bag, and that would be shipped off to the Levites, which is the precursor to the concept of tithing. So that shows the togetherness, the oneness, the caring for each other the Jewish people had, even though they're slaves and even though they're suffering. Instead of saying, Well, if you want food, go work. Like, who do you think you are that we have to work and you don't have to work? You have it easy? No, no. Every person has their place, has their job, has what they're supposed to do. Those that are studying, you guys go study. You're our priests. You're our leaders. Those that have to work will work, and we'll share the food. That is the beauty of what was created. And, And by the way, and by the way, um, the, um, you know, there's, there is, it's interesting what's going on, of course, in Israel and Gaza and the war. So you have the soldiers, soldiers that are fighting, they're going into Gaza, they're putting their life on the line, obviously, unfortunately, all those that are getting killed. And then you have the Talmudic scholars that are sitting and studying. And I've been reading different, listening to different podcasts, uh, they have to understand those that are studying Torah are studying their study of Torah is a protection for the soldiers. They are studying so that God will put his protection on the soldiers. It's just different parts of the army. Those that have to fight, have to fight. They're allowing those to study to study, just like it was in Egypt. We're slaves, we're working, we're gonna share food with you. It it this is what the nation is all about. So um, that's like the lesson um, from the Torah portion. It's interesting, by the way. I, I, I was studying the other night, um, and it says slaves in general. It says uh, Canaan, the first slave, he told his children. He told his children four different things about what it means to be a slave. One, he taught them to be a thief. But um, one of the things he taught his children now he didn't really teach his children—it was what they became, and it was as if he told them. But he told his children that you take care of each other, and as nobody else is sticking up for you, you have to stick up for yourself. So I see there's so many things that I didn't have a chance. So I have two minutes left, and I think. I'm going to go back to one of the things we were talking about. So, how they become slaves? So, so we said that the um, and was, this was the first part of uh, the Pharaoh's plan. They became slaves, and the idea was they're going to be so exhausted, so, so you know, just I'm working and I can't, I can't, I can't live. The idea was they shouldn't stay married. They shouldn't have kids. Oh. And there goes the music. All righty. As always, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, for one of the listeners. I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have Ellen in the back today. I hope I've left you with, with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.